0: Lord, we are hungry for your word. Fill us with your spirit. Open our hearts and minds to the message that you have for us today. Amen. Well, Last week, we looked at two obstacles to gratitude. Nostalgia, when you make an idol of the past, and worry, where you're not trusting God, but just worry. And now today, we'll consider a third barrier to gratitude entitlement you know there are politicians that like to call social security an entitlement and all of us who paid into it for all this is And no <laughs> it's not an entitlement it's something we paid for well but you know there are a lot of people that feel entitled to do all kinds of things many are familiar with this parable of the wedding feast but not necessarily with the context in which Jesus tells it he and the disciples, they're in Jerusalem at the beginning of what's going to be the last week of Christ's life on earth. He's overturned the money tables in the temple. He's told several more parables. Um, in the 21st chapter of Matthew, we read, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized he was speaking about them. Uh-oh. They wanted to arrest him, but They feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. So then Jesus responds to the authorities with another parable, this one about a wedding feast. It can be a story confusing to 21st century listeners because we have very different kind of wedding customs. These days, you're likely to receive a save the date notice, We got one from my niece just the other week, a save-the-date notice, sometimes complete with a special website that informs us of the details of the coming happy event. And later, later on, we receive a formal invitation. But in New Testament days, first people were invited so they knew to be ready. Then, when the food was all cooked and everything was ready, messengers were sent to the guests to call them, to summon them to the wedding feast. And it wasn't just an evening affair. It was a fabulous event that might last for days. An invitation to a wedding feast was special. Such an occasion was a big event that no one would turn down, especially if the invitation came from a king. So listen now from the word of God and we'll read the first 14 verses of Matthew 22. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to the slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to them, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few. Are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Oh well, Lord, may my words and may our hearts, the thoughts in our hearts, be acceptable to you, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, this is a parable that's good news for some and Terrible news for others. It's good news for everyone, well everyone on the edge of society, the good and the bad, the poor, others who would certainly have been left off the usual guest list for a royal wedding. Usually the people you'd find at a royal wedding banquet would be the social elites, the hoi polloi, the very people who insulted the king by refusing his invitation and worse. Well, consider their three responses, which ranged from indifference to violence. They made light of the invitation and went away. One to his farm, another went to his business. For both of those folks, their priorities were out of whack, out of proportion. They had lost sight of God. And if, when that happens, how, where will they end up? Well, the rest, well, they seized the slaves, they mistreated, and killed them. I mean, you can't, I know it's just a story, it's just a parable, but you'd think, can't they just say no thank you? <laughs> Regrets, you know? Well, it's a startling turn in the story, and that's the thing about parables, they always have, surprises or twists or things that are out of proportion or something that's different from what you would expect. Well, because this this is a parable that's often seen as really an allegory, a story where each part stands for something else. Well, for example, the classic story of the Wizard of Oz is, I'm, I've read, it's really an allegory where the various characters, Tin Man, Cowardly Lion, and even the Wizard, stand for U.S. politicians at the beginning of the nineteenth um, 20th century, had to do with the gold standard. There's a reason that's a yellow brick road. And here we just all thought it was about the yellow brick road, Dorothy and her little dog too. <laughs> well, in this allegorical parable, those who were killed because they were the king's messengers are seen as representing the prophets. Who had died bringing God's message over the years. At the end of the week that Jesus told this parable, he would himself be suffering grisly death on the cross. Well, perhaps you've heard that, that verses 6 and 7 in cringe, they go, oh, that's, that's, that's not so good. Some may find it uncomfortable to read the part about the king's messengers being killed and then the enraged king sending troops to off those folks, and then destroying the city. It makes some say, ooh, I like that kinder, gentler version over in uh, Luke 14, where those details are not included. Well, some people say, the scholars say, well, these are two verses that were added later. But if you see the parable as an allegory, then perhaps this part represents the real life destruction of the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD, where the city was destroyed. And what about that poor fellow who, who did respond to the king's invitation, but got thrown out for not wearing a wedding robe? Oh, think about it. Would you expect the average Joe on the street, when they went out in the highways and byways, said, come on in to this banquet? Do you, do you expect that person to be wearing a, a, a wedding robe Would maybe a working guy have in his lunchbox next to his bologna sandwich a a wedding robe stuffed in there just in case? I doubt it. Or would you expect some homeless fellow with no fancy robe and no lunchbox either? Well, I've read several explanations for that puzzling part of the parable. Some say, well, it's the result of one parable being kind of mashed up with another, but still, Some say that at such a fancy wedding, the host would provide guests with robes to wear. So the guy's wrong clothes were by choice. Well, then others say, we can't really be all that certain about all their wedding customs then. So not to get in those weeds too far, remember, it's a story, a parable for us to learn from. In those days... Clothing often symbolized character. Well, in Galatians 3, Paul speaks of those who were baptized as having clothed themselves with Christ. And in Romans 13, he urges us to put on, or that is, clothe ourselves with Christ, which would be to say to adopt adopt Christ-like practices, to act more like Jesus so what does this parable teach us? Well, if Wesley were here, he would say, behavior has consequences. Any of us who heard him teach Sunday school knows that's, a, that's one of his themes, and that's a good one. It's a warning about the perils for those who reject and for those who just appear to accept Jesus' message we are called to be true disciples in the kingdom of god now last week i mentioned that methodist preacher brian erickson he's written that whenever we allow ourselves to believe that we deserve what we have or that we are somehow more worthy than another we'll find ourselves incapable of gratitude our blessings do not come to us because we are so fabulous So wonderful, so good. We didn't earn them. It's not like an Oscar or something that we somehow earn. They come to us because God is so good. Because God loves us, loves us and loves the world so much that he gave his only son to save us. We have been invited to God's banquet feast, eternal life. We need to respond to that gracious invitation And in what are the right clothes? Repentance, faithfulness, humility, and forgiveness. Our job is to respond, you might say, with gratitude, following after the Lord Jesus Christ who calls us to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And our neighbors as ourselves, Because this is the way of Jesus, in whom we find life. Thanks be to God. The hour is coming, and now is here. So go forth to worship the Lord your God in spirit and in truth, in all that you do, and in all that you say. Now may the grace... Of the Lord Jesus Christ, springing up like living water, fill your heart and flow through your life from this day forth on.